1: Grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to
0: win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. That's 17 in a row for the Cardinals who have clinched the second wildcard spot in the National League. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. On Wednesday, September 29th, Frank Stanfold joined as always. By Scottie Dubbs, Scott White here Let's take a look at Scott's first two rounds for 2022. Currently live on the site. We're going to recap the past couple of days. And I do have a fantasy justice question towards the end of the podcast. But Scott, the story right now is the St. Louis Cardinals, man. 17 in a row. They take down Brandon Woodruff on Tuesday. Adam Wainwright, six innings of two-run ball. He picks up his 17th win of the year. 305 ERA, 106 whip. And he's done it over 200 innings, 206 and a third to be exact. Only four starting pitchers have done that this year. You're, you're talking about Adam Wainwright, right? Yeah, did I did I not
1: say I Adam think was. you said something else. Oh. I heard a Woodruff in there.
0: Oh, well, they beat up on Woodruff. Okay. And then All I right. think I got to Wainwright. I don't know. Maybe I was only half listening. We're off to a great start here. <laughs> Hopefully I said it correct. But uh, <laughs> the main thing that I wanted to get at is the fact that he's maintained these ratios over 200 innings and... And only four pitchers have got to that mark this year. Zach Wheeler, Sandy Alcantara, Waino, uh, and now Walker Bueller after Tuesday night as well. It's been, <laughs> it's been an awesome run here for both Wainwright and, and the St. Louis Cardinals.
1: Yeah, it has. Uh, Adam Wainwright's been one of the more interesting players this year. Interesting in the sense that where did this come from and, and where does he go next? And uh, I don't really have the answer to either one of those questions. That's what makes it interesting. He he is planning to play one more year. He's already forty, so uh, you know it, it makes sense that he's thinking about retirement. And uh, it looks like next year is going to be the last year for him. I, you know, I'm I'm not. I don't I don't see myself making a big investment in him. As valuable as he was this year, and he was what a, a top ten pitcher. When you add everything up, I think that's right. Sounds right. Yeah, um, but.
0: Is he even going to be in the top thirty for me? I kind of doubt it. Four, six, eight, 10, 11. He was the eleventh starting pitcher in five by five Roto entering Tuesday night, and the fifty-fourth overall player, uh, just behind Brandon Woodruff, ironically enough. So I wonder if you know the six,
1: the sixth pitcher in points leagues, for what it's worth, entering entering uh, Tuesday night.
0: Yeah, I mean that that volume has just been massive for uh, Adam right this season. Oh, you so, know what?
1: Otani's combined score is is listed here, so it's actually the fifth best starting pitcher. Adam Wainwright in Pops leagues.
0: Oh, you know what? It's funny you bring that up because the same thing for uh, for Roto. If you look at Otani, he is the number one starting pitcher technically, but that's more so because of his his hitting stats. So that would make him two, four, six, eight, the tenth best starting pitcher. Ten. Yeah,
1: ten. Yeah. So either top five or top ten, depending what format you're talking about.
0: Sheesh, man! What a year for Wino, but uh. Yeah, I I mentioned this on our last podcast. I feel bad for the Dodgers or Giants, whoever has to host the Cardinals in that one-game playoff because they are surging right now. Thanks to, mentioned Wainwright, obviously, uh, and then Nolan Arenado hit his 34th home run of the season, 105 RBI. It's a pretty pretty good year. Obviously, the batting average is is lower than it has been in years past. And I've got a close eye on the Seattle Mariners right now who uh, just... Extended their lead to to 4-2. Mitch Hanniger hit his 38th home run of the season. And I'm rooting for the Mariners for multiple reasons. Obviously, they haven't been in the postseason forever. It would be awesome. And uh, let's get the Red Sox out of the wild card, right? That would be phenomenal uh, from my perspective, a Yankee fan perspective. So uh, obviously not for the Boston fans out there, but it would be a cool story to get the Mariners in the playoffs. Let's talk about fantasy. Uh, We haven't really done that much yet. Oh my goodness gracious! All right, Scotty. Obviously, there's not much that we can do in terms of give people advice at this point in the season. We're halfway through the final week, but an oh my goodness gracious player for you.
1: Well, one that we haven't had much reason to talk about because who on earth would recommend him is (laughs) Eugenio Suarez. But it turns out he's having a great month. Great final month. Um. Better late than never, I guess, that he shows up to the 2021 season, hit his seventh home run of the month. He is batting uh, well over 300 for the month. And, um, you know, if if you had the foresight to know this was going to happen, obviously he would have been well worth starting this final month. Um, Doesn't really change anything. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean obviously he was a fairly high draft pick this year. He was definitely a high draft pick last year. His combined batting average between those two years is um it's under 200. So strikes out way too much. Was actually has been a below replacement level for the Red, below replacement level player for the Reds this year. a Negative WAR uh, from Eugenio Suarez. So I don't even know what motivation they're going to have to play him. He is signed long term. That's that's really what saves him from going. I guess the the Chris Carter route. You know, big power hitter who just doesn't do enough of anything else, and eventually. Uh, gets pushed out of the league at a young age. Save Suarez from that. Obviously, the expectation that there's going to be a DH spot in play in the NL next year. You know, maybe that gets Suarez ensure Suarez gets close to every day at bat still. But you know, we don't we don't know who else is going to be on the Reds next year. And I, I would suspect Jesse Winker would want to. They'd want him to spend some time in the DH spot. Uh, maybe Joey Votto. You know, it's, it's really, the the bottom line is that Eugenio Suarez, based on his performance the last two years, and especially this year, doesn't deserve, doesn't really deserve a job anymore. He's going to get it because of his contract status, and, and maybe he'll be able to pull out of it since he is capable of hitting the ball uh, out of the park with some regularity. But um, I have no faith in him anymore, and this final month doesn't change that.
0: I did pull up his September numbers on Fangraphs to see if he's doing anything differently. He's still striking out quite a bit, 28% of the time. That's been normal for him the past couple of years, even when he had those monster seasons. But the line drive rate up to right around 24%, 50% fly ball rate. Uh, and his fly balls are just flying out of the park at a more regular uh, pace than they, they normally have. Well, at a higher pace than they normally have, so that's definitely helped him. You know, it was a weird year for him coming in because they they tried to experiment throwing him at shortstop, and it's something that he's played in the past, but, like, if you ever watched him play shortstop, he's he's awful there. I I mean, he made a ton of errors earlier in the season, too, and uh, it doesn't really explain things, but when you look at what he's done by position, by defensive position, in games that he started at shortstop, he hit 164. So, like... That's that was only that turned out to be like thirty three games, but I mean that's that's, that's pretty bad. Well, over well,
1: what are the stats at third
0: base? Yeah, they're not much better. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a it's like a two oh five batting average or something like that. But I think the combination of like forcing him to play shortstop and then him being bad there, like it could have you know mess with his mentality while he was batting whatever it is he is having an, an awesome september so uh i I'd, I'd be more forgiving if he didn't also have the 2020 season he had yeah that's true and he did he had shoulder surgery in early Prior 2020. To 2020 yeah in yeah. january of 2020 so i mean we could still be dealing with some lingering effects there uh, yeah, it's a 205 batting average while playing third base this year, 723 OPS. So it, it's still bad, but um, it was much worse at shortstop. So just something to keep in mind. I don't think that he's going to be on standard league radars, but you know, if he gets off to a hot start next year, maybe he's someone we look into uh, to picking to pick him back up. Oh my goodness gracious! For me, I want to talk about Luis Robert, who hit a double dong on Tuesday, 349 batting average, 12 homers, five steals in 64 games. Now. This is going to get me in trouble, but let's have some fun. Let's let's play around with this. He's played 120 major league games to this point. 298 batting average, 23 homers, 14 steals. Obviously, if you expand that over 150 games, you're looking at something like high 20s home runs and high teens in steals with obviously a great batting average. He's made huge gains in strikeouts this year lowering his strikeout rate from 32% in the shortened season last year to 20% this year. His line drive rate is way up this season, so obviously those two things in conjunction will lead to a higher BABIP and a higher batting average for Luis Robert, but last season is also a cautionary tale for these smaller sample sizes, Scott, so he is a player that we'll talk about a little bit later on, some foreshadowing. You have him going in your second round for 2022, but... Didn't we kind of just fall for this? We bought into players based on a 60-game season last year. He's only played 64 games this season. What do we do? Well, um,
1: I think you consider the pedigree. I think you consider what our hopes were for Luis Robert all along. And the only thing in my mind that was dashing those hopes in his rookie season was how much he struck out. And, like, it's been other end of the spectrum this year. And look, his BABIP is well over 400. I, I don't think a 350 batting average is realistic moving forward. I I would say that for any player who hits 350. But is a 300 batting average realistic? I mean, he's, he's clearly raised the bar for what... Um, for what his final stat line could look like. T- to me, he's given himself a much higher ceiling by reducing his strikeout rate by that much. And I'm I'm not saying there's no cause for concern. For instance, since coming back from the injury in August, right, mid-August, he's stolen one base. That's it. And and that's a big part of what we expect from Luis Robert is, is stealing bases. He's coming back from a, a tear in his hip. So you could understand maybe why they want him to be careful on the base paths. Hopefully, hopefully that's just a a condition for this season. And and next year he'll get back to running like we expected him to. Um, But in in terms of being a hitter, I, I think, I think Luis Robert has, there's evidence that he's made major strides and, and we knew he had a high ceiling to begin with. So, I think it makes sense to draft him that early next year, particularly in a Roto League. Maybe not as much in a points league. I, I mostly made these these rankings that we're going to discuss later for Roto Leagues.
0: Okay, and he, he still needs to prove that he can stay healthy for the course of a full season, obviously, so that's something that's also in the back of my mind. And I said all of that just to play devil's advocate because I'm 100% with you. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, going to, I, I'm going to be very aggressive on Luis Robert next year. So I... I I agree with you. And you even look at the XBA on StatCast, 289 uh, there. So, look, even if he's a 290 hitter, 290 with you know 25-plus home runs, 15 steals, great counting stats, and an awesome lineup, that's going to be worthy of being a, a top two-round player, I believe, in, in Roto mm-hmm. Leagues, Category Leagues, for next season. Scotty, we had some prospects that are being called up. Better late than never. I uh, know, like what's the point? Yeah, right? It's it's pretty interesting but uh, let's talk about them because I got a few questions today and, and people want to know if they can stream Pirates starting pitching prospect Ronzi Contreras who's being called up Wednesday to face the Chicago Cubs and he came over in the Jameson Tyone trade and we spoke about him earlier in the season because he was just putting up Awesome numbers. He's 21 years old. He made 12 starts at AA this year, one start at AAA, and combined he has a 2.64 ERA, 0.93 whip, 82 strikeouts over 58 innings pitch. I know he was dealing with I believe it was an arm injury earlier in the year which forced him to miss a bunch of starts. Obviously, he's only mm-hmm. made thir- all of July and August. Yeah, he's only he just, made 13 starts overall, so
1: He's made he's come back and made four appearances.
0: And He has not thrown more than three and two-thirds in any of those four starts that he made uh, since returning from injury. He hasn't thrown more than 65 pitches in any of those Mm -hmm. starts. So all those things considered, I think it's going to be fun to watch his debut on Wednesday. I just don't know if he's going to be worthy of picking up and streaming if you play in a daily league.
1: You're pointing out that the most most he's gone since coming back is three and two-thirds innings. That that basically answers the question, right? But I, I don't even know... And, and I know I know. I said the same thing about Shane Boz and people can hold that over me now because one, he surprisingly got that second start in his first week up and, and it ended up being two great starts that a lot of people could have benefited from and maybe did if they didn't listen to me. But just as a matter of principle, with your season on the line, inserting a player who's never appeared in a big league game before, and especially a pitcher really any player what what kind of mindset do you have to be in to do that like that you have to be in real desperate desperation mode i think to to take that kind of leap on a guy like who knows how it could go he could walk eight guys like it's, we have no expect we have no idea what to expect from a pitcher in his major league debut shane boss was arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball so there's an easier case to make for him but Rowanzi Contreras is that how you say it? I believe it's Ronsey. Ronsey? Yes. Um yeah, uh not so much for him.
0: All right, so definitely going to be watch- uh, watching interested to see what he does in his major league debut, but do not pick up and start Contreras there on Wednesday. The Mariners promoted pitching prospect Matt Brash on Tuesday though. Uh, to this point in that game he has not pitched and it's the eighth inning, so I don't, I don't. I would imagine he's not going to pitch in this game. But it's Scott. He's someone that you've mentioned before has an absolutely wicked slider and has put up gaudy numbers this season in the minor leagues. Obviously, we're not picking him up, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he does in relief yeah. uh, these last couple of days before the season May, ends. Maybe
1: the biggest riser among, certainly among pitching prospects, I would say, just because. This was a guy the Mariners acquired for Taylor Williams last year from the Padres for Taylor Williams, who was at the time their closer, but like not not a good reliever and not even around anymore. You know,
0: I love how hard you always accentuate Taylor Williams. Well,
1: like I just, (laughs) who who imagined, who would have imagined that trade would have these this kind of long term ramifications potentially if Matt Brash. uh, Ends up being everything we dream he can be now with that slider. Arguably the best slider in the minors. Some scouts have rated it as such, and a great fastball too. Uh, Seventy grade fastball potentially. His swinging strike rate. Let's see in Double A specifically. I think it's even better. Yeah, over around sixteen percent uh, with a two thirteen ERA at Double A. Too many walks. Too many walks. It's that's still something he's going to have to work on, but. You can miss when you can miss as many bats as he does at this stage of his career. I'm I'm willing to bet on you.
0: Yeah, for sure. We we mentioned multiple times, man, the Mariners have so much talent in their farm system that's going to be uh coming in, in the but, next couple of years. And Matt Brash is is one of those now. Well, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have plenty of pitchers with bigger names than Matt Brash. And I think Brash has the potential to be the best of them. I, I think the the um the leader at this point, the leading contender for that is George Kirby. But, you know, there's Emerson Hancock and well, Logan Gilbert, of course, got called up this year.
0: Yep. And um, I've even, I've heard Brandon Williamson's name thrown around, obviously yeah. not as high end as those other ones, but yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's a name. So
1: Linked to this decision to call up Matt Brash, by the way, is it looks like you uh, say Kikuchi is out of the rotation. So. There was some speculation maybe Brash would start in place of Kikuchi, but I think today was Kikuchi's turn, right? And and they just ended up starting Tyler Anderson instead. So, um, I don't know. Maybe that says something about Kikuchi going forward. I suspect he'll still be in the rotation next year to begin the year, but he, he seems to have lost some faith. The Mariners seem to have lost some faith in him.
0: Yeah, the Mariners started Tyler Anderson on short rest. He pitched two innings on Saturday. He got destroyed, which we mentioned. He gave up nine earned runs in that start. Uh, and then he went four innings here on Tuesday. He only gave up one run. And again, the Mariners are leading 4-2 to two in the eighth inning. Some news and notes from the past couple days. Jacob DeGrom will officially not pitch again this season, which comes... As no surprise, obviously. Uh, The Reds placed Luis Castillo on the family emergency list on Monday, but he will return and make his final start on Friday against the Pirates. And I hope that he goes off and he gets that ERA below four. Because given everything that he gone through, like that he went through the first two months of the season, I believe his ERA is at 407 or 408. So if he has a big start, he might actually get it below four so. I'm rooting for you, Luis Castillo. Ryan Presley was unavailable for Tuesday's win over the Rays due to a knee injury that is quote, bothered him in the past, according to Dusty Baker. Starling Marte has missed the last two games with a lat injury. Jamison Tyone returned Tuesday, and then he exited early Tuesday after re-aggravating his ankle injury. Brandon Belt was placed on the IL with a fractured thumb, retroactive to September 27th, and they mentioned about a four-week timeline for him, so it sucks because he's having an awesome year, and obviously the Giants are expecting to make a pretty deep run in the postseason. It sounds like uh, they'll have to do that without Brandon Belt. Michael Brantley could return from the IL in the next two to three days. Anthony Santander went to the IL with a sprained right knee. Astros manager Dusty Baker said Tuesday that Zach Greinke will probably not make another regular season start, and that there is a distinct possibility that that cranky works out of the bullpen during the playoffs. So, interesting there. I mean, he's kind of slowed down here in the second half and
1: uh, I'm not sure how much success he would have out of the bullpen. It doesn't seem like his arsenal would be the kind that translates to that role very well. So that that is interesting, but yeah, he's they, they have a lot of good pitchers and he's been pretty unreliable of late.
0: I wonder if they would use him in conjunction with a pitcher that has a different style than him. So someone who I don't know who throws a little bit harder, like a Christian Javier or something like that, have Christian Javier throw a couple of innings to open the game and then maybe Granky throws a few innings too and you know the combination of the two different styles throw throwing opposing yeah. lineups off. So
1: or or it might be, you know, obviously you see starting pitchers get hooked, get pulled earlier in playoff games yeah. if if it just if, it, if if they're just having too much trouble early on. Uh, they'll get pulled really early and, and maybe Granky ends up making like a five and a third inning relief appearance or something. I could see that.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm getting excited for postseason baseball, Scott. I mean, even I don't think the Yankees are going to do much, in ge- but just in general, like the weather cooling down here in the Northeast and, and being able to watch baseball without like any fantasy implications, it's. It's pretty fun, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Yanny Diaz was removed, removed Tuesday due to left rib discomfort. Brady Singer was removed from his start due to right upper arm discomfort. Andrew Benintendi exited with an apparent knee injury. Nick Anderson was placed back on the IL while Andrew Kittredge was reinstated by the Tampa Bay Rays, and Andrew Kittredge pitched on Tuesday, his uh, first day back, and I believe he was used... In the, the six. sixth inning? Yeah. Yep. So he pitched in the sixth, and then they had Josh Fleming come in in the ninth, and he got into trouble, and then J.T. Chargois, it was like a walk-off, I believe it was a walk-off walk that they allowed, so with the bases loaded, it was it was a messy end to that game for the Tampa Bay Rays. Carlos Rodon will start Wednesday against the Reds, but my guess is he's on a short leash, and... Yeah. There's a really early mock draft going on right now that I saw some some analysts uh, around the industry taking part in, and uh, Matt Williams, someone we've had on this podcast before he tweeted it out, and Carlos Rodon was the SP23 off the board in that, uh, look, it's way too early mock draft, obviously, uh, at pick 73. What do you think, Scotty? Early takeaways, SP23, first pick of the seventh round, Carlos Rodon?
1: Yeah, I didn't see that actually because I, I I was looking at that the results of that draft too to get some ideas for you know to make sure I wasn't missing anybody in in the first two rounds. <clears throat> so he went before Jack Flaherty. He went before Logan Webb. Went before Udarvish. Darvish. A couple rounds before you Darvish, actually, and Charlie Morton. A couple rounds before him. It's kind of messy, though. The whole thing is kind of messy there at starting pitcher. You know, obviously, I'd feel a lot better about it if really, really, it just comes down to the velocity issues Rodon's been having. That it's been kind of all over the place as they've as they've ramped him down here this month, and uh, just wondering if he's completely healthy. That would be the biggest concern for me about Rodon going into next year. He's a free agent. So he's going to have to pass a physical for somebody. If he has a clean bill of health entering draft prep season next year, I think probably top 25 makes sense. I think, though, I would draft him behind some of those who I mentioned who went after him.
0: Yep. Unrestricted free agent, as you mentioned. So it will be interesting to see where Carlos Rodon lands. And, you know, whether or not he's on the White Sox playoff roster, how he looks... Uh, I think Wednesday is is going to be um, a nice little indication as well for that. So all eyes on the velocity for Carlos who's, Rodon, who's really slowed up here in the final month of the season. And it makes sense, right? Like the guy just hasn't pitched much the past couple of years. And he was so awesome earlier in the year and, and going all out and with the velocity as high as it was. It, I think it makes sense um, that he kind of came back down to earth here. Padres manager Jace Tingler said, you Darvish's start against the Dodgers on Tuesday – will likely be his final outing of the season. Willie Adamas was scratched Tuesday due to left quad discomfort, the same injury that he was on the IL for earlier in the month. Royals manager Mike Matheny said Tuesday that Carlos Hernandez will not start this week, but will be available out of the Mm. bullpen. Four Reds, including Jesse Winker, Mike Moustakis, Wade Miley, and Shogo Akiyama, were ruled out for the rest of the season, which... Makes sense. The Reds have uh, been eliminated from playoff contention. Yadier Molina was scratched due to shoulder soreness on Tuesday. Alec Bohm was recalled from AAA, but was not in the starting lineup for the Phillies. Albert Pujols was placed in the IL without any injury designation, which means it's likely COVID-related. Get well soon, Albert Pujols. Bailey Ober placed in the IL with a hip strain. And some pretty cool moments from the past couple days I wanted to mention. On Monday, Bradley Zimmer homered off of his brother, Kyle Zimmer, which I thought was uh, was pretty interesting there. You have any sibling mm-hmm. rivalry, Scott, with your brother?
1: Uh, my brother's four years younger than me. And oh we're he... in the same
0: we're in the same boat. My brother is four years younger as well.
1: Yeah, my brother and I operate in very different worlds. <laughs> um, I'm I'm much closer in age to my sister, my older sister. She's a year and a half older than me. So growing up it was kind of the two of us and then him. Which, um, <laughs> looking back, probably wasn't very nice to him. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, not not in a long time. I would say not in a long time has there been any kind of any kind of sibling rivalry rivalry. But that was a fun highlight between the Zimmer brothers there because like <laughs> you could tell they were both trying so hard, yeah. <laughs> not to express themselves, and it was just kind of creeping through anyway. It was funny.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We actually have the same sibling composition, Scott. We are both uh, middle children. I have an older sister. I have a younger brother. I used to get in trouble so much when I was a kid because... I would never let my brother win at anything. And <laughs> my parents would be like, you know, they would pull me aside and just be like, ah, just just let him win, you know, it'll it'll be all right, you know, I'm just, nope, ultra competitive, we would play wiffle ball together, yeah. I was just like, nope, not happening, not letting him win, so it's pretty messed up in hindsight, but uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do? I was a kid, right? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Noah Syndergaard made his return as an opener Tuesday, it's an awesome moment for him, striking out two of the three batters that he faced. I believe he is also an unrestricted free agent, so, I don't know what his role will be in 2022 because obviously just getting back from Tommy John, he's only going to throw one inning. I assume maybe he throws one more in relief uh, another day this week, but I don't know. I don't know if some team is going to want to use Noah Syndergaard as a starting pitcher next season. Let's take a quick break. When we return, Scotty's first two rounds for 2022. We'll talk about it here on Fantasy Baseball Today. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so let's fire it up. Mention the article is live on the site. If you want to follow along, I will throw the link in the podcast and the YouTube description, and let's jump right in. The first round here, Fernando Tatis, the first overall pick, 41 homers and 25 steals. And given all the time that he's missed, It's just awesome. On a per-game basis, how amazing he has been. So another one where it'll be interesting. There's been talks that he was going to have uh, surgery in the offseason, and then a couple of weeks ago, he shot that down. So I don't really know where we're at. Well, he was still open to
1: the idea, but he he made it clear that it wasn't a sure thing. So lingering concerns about the shoulder injury if he doesn't have surgery, and then new concerns about the recovery if he does have the surgery. Yeah. Um you know, I, I wish there wasn't that hanging over the head of of what should be the first overall pick. And I think the first overall pick regardless of format, by the way. I mean it's an easier call in in rota leagues and five by five leagues because of the power speed combo. But I you know his in terms of fantasy points per game, he was also he's also been the number one hitter this year. So And he's still eligible, which is nice. Shortstop and outfield. He'll he'll carry over outfield eligibility into next year. So I expect Tatis will be the first pick in most every league. Unless we just hear something really bad about the shoulder between now and then.
0: All right, Tatis goes first overall. Second overall, you have Ronald Acuna, who had 24 homers and 17 steals when he tore his ACL back on July 10th. By the way... He is still a top seventy-five player in Roto, despite not playing a game since mid-July, which is just a testament yeah. to how amazing he was playing. But I mentioned that mock draft uh, that is being done by other analysts in the industry right now, and Ronald Acuna lasted all the way to twelve in that one. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, obviously concerns over his recovery from a torn ACL. We can't say for sure at this point that he's going to be ready for the start of next year. Though that's certainly within the realm of possibility, and I think probably even the expectation at this point. Uh, I don't really understand the motivation to straddle the fence right now. Say, okay, well I'm going to downgrade him this certain amount because I don't really know if I don't really know how his recovery from a torn ACL is going to go. By the time we're actually drafting, we'll probably have a really good idea how his recovery from a torn ACL has gone. And, um, you'll either want to draft him second overall if it's gone well. And if it hasn't gone as well, if it sounds like he's still a couple months away from returning, then you're probably not even going to draft him as early as 12th. So I'm putting him second for now until I hear something that causes me to, to not want to take him second. And I imagine, I imagine all if, if, if I do hear that thing, it'll happen before I'm actually drafting a team that matters.
0: All right, third overall in this mock that you put together, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is just having a phenomenal year, 46 homers, 120 runs scored. I don't know if people realize just how many runs scored he has, but it's a ridiculous amount, all while batting 313. You have Juan Soto, fourth overall, a ridiculous second half here, 362 batting average, 18 homers, four steals, a twelve oh four OPS. And then that brings us to someone who's really had the opposite second half, and that's Shohei Ohtani. You have fifth overall, 228 batting average, 830 OPS, a 31% strikeout rate in the second half. Still does have 12 homers and 12 steals, so he's making things happen uh, despite that lower batting average. I don't know. I really don't know with Ohtani right now, Scott. It's hard for me to say. I think if I was personally on the board, I just I prefer to play it safe in the early rounds. And uh, given the second half and obviously the, the possibility that he puts himself at more injury risk because he pitches as off, as often as he does. I don't I don't think that I'm I, I would take Otani that early, but I understand why you have him here. Yeah, and
1: I think you're you'll probably be going against the consensus if that's the case. He may have gotten a little tired in the second half. He, he may have just you know, kind of kind of slumped a little because guys who strike out as much as that tend to do that, but um I mean, you look at the the home run numbers, you look at the stolen base numbers, especially in Roto Leagues, that has to go in the first round. And to me, it's more... uh, To me, the upside is more... Sets them apart from the next two hitters on the list here, Trey Turner and Jose Ramirez. I mean, they're just not going to be capable of meeting what Otani has done this year, just at the plate. And... You know, someone brought up the point, if if you play in a league that has daily lineup changes, where should Otani go? Uh, probably first, right? You want to yeah. get literally all his pitching stats and all his hitting stats because him batting on the days he pitches, you know, you want to get those batting stats, provided you started him a pitcher that day. But you'd get most of them. You'd get most all of his stats. And... Uh, getting that combined production from a single roster spot. That's got to make him the most valuable player in fantasy. You know, not many leagues are going to be set up that way, but for those that are, I I could see, I could understand the case to take Otani earlier than fifth, more than I can later than fifth.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you there. If, if it's a daily lineup league, I think he is the first overall pick as one player. I know there are some other, uh, fantasy providers that have two different players—one hitter Otani, one pitcher Otani—it's worth pointing out that he will be only util only uh, again next year. So, so keep that in mind.
1: And for what it's worth, if if you are in that league that splits him into two different players, the hitter version of Otani would still be my fifth player. I think that the pitching is just kind of a. A nice bonus.
0: Yep. You already mentioned the sixth and seventh player here, Trey Turner and Jose Ramirez, who uh, Turner has really contributed in all five categories. He's batting 325 with 25 homers and 32 steals. Jose Ramirez, lower batting average, you know that, but power speed combination, 36 home runs, 26 steals for Jose Ramirez. And then uh, eighth overall, you have Bryce Harper, who, much like Juan Soto, is just having a ridiculous second half, three forty-one batting average, twelve eleven OPS, nineteen homers, six steals. Then you have Mike Trout right behind him, who someone who I think will be a pretty polarizing player. I think in points leagues, the plate discipline he's still pretty awesome, but he's dealt with injuries pretty regularly the past handful of years. He he's missed a good chunk of time each of the past you know uh, five years basically. And he's not going to run much anymore, so I think that puts a little bit of a damper yeah. on his roto value as well.
1: Uh, yeah, he's missed time over the year Nothing that... There was nothing in his injury history that compelled us to take him outside the first round until maybe this calf injury. But my perspective is, it's a calf injury where he's going to have had 10 months to rest up. So, like, it's got to be better at that point, right? And, and obviously, a healthy trout is... First round caliber player, somebody who could still probably compete to be the best player in fantasy.
0: Uh, rounding out your first round, you do have Bo Bichette. I'm so happy you came around, Scott. Bo Bichette. Yeah, well, on him on Harper, both. I, I, gave, I gave you
1: pushback for both Bichette and Harper in the first round, uh, but just the five category production for Bichette, and obviously the fact that you know a big part of that is stolen bases, and they're hard to come by. Yeah, I think I think you have to take him as high as 10th in Roto. He, he's, of the players we've mentioned so far, far, he would probably drop the most in a points league. He would probably be more like a late second rounder in a points league than a late first rounder since he doesn't walk much. But uh, obviously getting those steals and the high batting average and everything else. Yeah, I got him 10th here.
0: At 11th and 12th, you have Jacob DeGrom and Freddie Freeman. Freeman, rock solid. 300 batting average this year, 31 homers, and uh, 117 runs scored. That's a massive number for Freddie Freeman. DeGrom, obviously, uh, what happens in the offseason and and how his arm and elbow are looking for next year will will determine where he is drafted in 2022 drafts. Let's start off the second round, and you have Mookie Betts as the 13th overall player, and I look at his numbers... I can't. I can't really figure out what went wrong, Scott. Unless you know, he's been on the IL a few times this year. Maybe he was kind of been playing through injury all year long. But twenty-one homers, ten steals, only a 268 batting average. Is he getting up there in age? He, I mean, he's he's going to turn twenty-nine on October seventh. I, I think that's still a, a player in his prime. So, yeah. What would you see here? Like, what went wrong for Mookie Betts this year? I think
1: health mostly uh you know before he had that first long stretch on the I.L. with the hip injury which we now know is going to require surgery in the off season. so that that first I.L. stint for the hip came in July and he was he was looking like first round Mookie Betts in the weeks leading up to that and uh, obviously then went on the I.L. a couple times with that same injury and is playing through the injury now so you know, I, I think you have to factor that in. He's he is still in the prime of his career. He has a very stable studly track record. And originally I had him when I just first started laying out the names, I had him seventh. I had him ahead of Bryce Harper and Mike Trout as well as Jose Ramirez. It was pretty easy for me to slot Ramirez ahead of him but then Bryce Harper and Mike Trout versus Mookie Betts. I had to think about that for a while. And ultimately what I decided is that like Betts doesn't have near the power upside of Harper or Trout. So it really comes down to how much he's going to run. And after all the hip issues this year, approaching his 30th birthday in a loaded lineup for a team that doesn't really, uh, you know, isn't inclined to take a lot of risks on the base paths anyway. I don't know how much he's gonna run moving forward. I I, could see him becoming just like a 12 to 15 Steals guy as opposed to 25 to 30. And that would be hard to justify in the first round if it's only twelve to fifteen. So I got him as the first pick in the second round. And if he he ends up having, you know, a retro mookie bet season. So be it. Obviously, that's nothing to complain about at that point.
0: Yeah, no, I think this is actually a good range. Just early on, there's going to be some moving parts given uh, other injuries, so we'll see what happens. You mentioned the second round is filled with pitchers. The next five picks here are pitchers: Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Corbin Burns, Walker Bueller, and Brandon Woodruff. And I think those are all names that are deserve that deserve to be in this spot. So,
1: yeah, uh, it really it comes down to I'm not sure which belongs. Second, you know, among pitchers after DeGrom. And of course, it may end up being first, depend, huh? depending on what happens to DeGrom this offseason. He may get pushed down quite a bit. Uh, but Cole, Scherzer, Burns, Bueller, Woodruff, that's the order I have them in. I can see the case for any of Cole, Scherzer, Burns, and Bueller in that second spot. Woodruff, not so much. I think Woodruff is clearly the last of this group. But, um, You know, I kind of went with the legacy pick there. And Cole, I think there's a very strong case to make for Burns. He has like a 156 FIP this year. (laughs) Uh, The reason I the reason I put him behind both Cole and Scherzer is those two are obviously battle tested, and you expect them to pile up innings every year. And Burns big jump in innings this year. Not really sure how his arm's going to respond to that next year. That's always a question when um, it had when it happens to a pitcher for the first time. So that's why I slotted him behind Colin Scherzer. But pitch for pitch, I think Burns is probably the best pitcher in baseball now outside of DeGrom.
0: 19th overall, you have Kyle Tucker, who is also having a great second half. 320 batting average, 10.06 OPS, 13 homers, 7 steals. He's really been great since May. It was just an awful April that he got off to. And and we were telling people at the time, buy low on Kyle Tucker because all the underlying numbers looked great for him. And uh, that's come through... Come to fruition here in the second half for him. Marcus Semien, uh, 20th overall. This will determine, um, this will be based on, I think, where he signs in the offseason, right? So this can change if, uh, obviously, if he goes back to Toronto, I think this is very justifiable, this range, for Semien, who has 43 homers and 15 steals. But if he goes to a less hitter-friendly environment, maybe he drops down to, like, the third round, something like that, but I think that's up in the air.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree I will point out he's actually hit the majority of his home runs on the road this year. Now a lot of those were AL East parks, and they're all pretty hitter favorable, except Tampa Bay. So I I don't know that that necessarily says anything. But it it's not like he was just taking advantage of the Blue Jays' mini hitter friendly venues that they played in this year. But yeah, I mean the numbers are just I I've I have a skepticism toward what Simeon did this year, but the numbers are just too ginormous to really justify ranking him any lower, especially since, you know, 2019 and 2021 both. Uh MVP caliber player. If he signs like San Francisco, a big park like that, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it justifies moving him down. But if he signs, uh, there, there's probably 20 parks he could end up at and, and this is still where I'd take him.
0: One that comes to mind for me is maybe Cincinnati. I don't know if they want Barrero to be their starting shortstop for next year. I, I guess it's a possibility. He played a few games in the outfield, but they definitely could be in the market for a shortstop. And if Semien goes to Cincinnati, it's a great bark, park to hit in as well. So I don't think that that would affect his value very much. Just something random that, that popped into my head. And uh, I was definitely way off on Semien this year. And I cited the fact that entering 2021, Two of his past three years, he's had a 7.06 OPS or less. And now it's it's the reverse, right? So 2021 mm-hmm. and 2019, he's had an 8.82 OPS or better. So I think uh, it's looking more like 2020 was the outlier for Marcus Semyon. Not that he's going to do necessarily this again, but can he hit 265 with 30 homers and 15 steals? If he does that, he's worthy of being a second-round pick. So the last four names that will round out the second The second round here, Shane Bieber, Zach Wheeler, uh, Luis Robert, and Rafael Devers. We spoke about Robert a little bit early on. Rafael Devers chips in a few steals, but overall, you know what you're getting. A a pretty high batting average, home runs, runs, and RBI for sure from uh, Rafael Devers. Scott, was there anyone who just missed the top two rounds here that you were really debating, kind of trying to squeeze in?
1: No, actually, I had a hard time with that last spot, the number 24 spot, where I I ultimately slotted Devers just because that scene like it was going to be kind of a consensus pick. I don't know personally if I really want to rank Devers ahead of Manny Machado, who I, of course, left out because Machado has more steals ability and um, you know a track record of doing things much like Devers did this year at the plate. Um, So that was a close call between those two. I considered Cedric Mullins, who, of course, is coming off a 30-30 season. Not much of a track record of him doing that, though. I considered Starling Marte, but i'm I'm trying to be conscious not to deliberately draft for stolen bases because i I just think that's a losing approach. You end up costing yourself in too many other categories. So a pure base dealer like Starling Marte, I'm trying not to I'm trying to be a little low on him intentionally. um And then I also considered Robbie Ray, who I think would be my next pitcher after Zach Wheeler. And I think probably it's not clear who. Like, I think Robbie Ray is clearly the next pitcher to go beyond the one I have here in rounds one and two. And then after him, I think it's a pretty big drop off. You still have you know Clayton Kershaw, Jack Flaherty, Lucas Giolito, but I might not start taking those guys. Not in a roto league anyway. I might not take them for like another round, like round three. Maybe Robbie Ray is my only pitcher, and then I don't start taking those guys. Maybe late in round three. And certainly in round four.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense too. Uh, I think Luis Castillo would probably be in that mix, if you trust what he's done the final, you know, three four months here. Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, he's another in that name. Mix. Lance Lynn. Kevin Gosman.
1: Yeah, Gosman's in that mix.
0: Yep. All yep. right. So uh, look, this was this was fun. I don't know if you were looking at the rundown, Scott, but I actually have the two names for me that that I. Th- thought just missed were, were Starling Marte and Cedric Mullins, and those were the yeah. first two names that you mentioned, so. No, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, look at that, simpatico, right? You would imagine, yeah, after doing as many podcasts together as we have, yeah, we've, we've kind of got some things down here. Let's recap the past couple days, and uh, a few things here. I, like, there's not much actionable at this point, but we'll talk about a few players who are doing notable things. Jonathan India, a sock and a shoe on Monday, now up to a 273 batting average, 21 homers, 12 steals, 96 runs scored, Good eye at the plate, gets on base, doesn't strike out very much. He's the 55th ranked player in Roto entering Tuesday and averaging 3.1 fantasy points per game, which is top 10 at both second base and third base. He will have uh, both of those eligibilities in 2022. And I I think I'm going to be pretty excited about Jonathan India here, Scott. I don't know if he's a huge upside play, but even though he's young, I feel pretty good about his floor. Yeah, I would agree.
1: I think at third base, especially, he will be eligible at third base next year. I didn't mm-hmm. realize he got that much playing time there.
0: You know, I'll pull plan. it up as soon as I said it. I was like, that might not be true, but I appreciate <laughs> yeah, I you calling almost, me out. <laughs>
1: I thought he was almost exclusively a second baseman, but um, but yeah, I think uh, I think he'll probably be uh, like right at right in the. 10 to 12 range in my second base rankings. Yeah, he, he's only played second base. Yeah, what am I, there, what so am I not, even
0: saying, right? He's only second base eligible.
1: Yeah. So that's a shame because third yeah. base is actually, there's actually a greater need at third base. He would almost definitely be a top 10 player there. But I agree, that's, that's probably the right assessment. Um, I'm not sure how much growth potential he has from here. He's already exceeded our expectations for power and frankly for speed while getting on base a ton. Uh I don't know. Maybe maybe he could get better. I remember saying at one point in time, Jose Ramirez, when he was, you know, like a 1520 guy with a high batting average. Ah, well, it was great that he did that, but he can't get any better, can he? And then obviously he has. So can never can never say with too much certainty for a player just starting out.
0: Yep. And uh his teammate, Joey Votto, obviously having just a massive resurgence. In uh, 2021, double dong on Monday, now batting 271 with 35 home runs. He's going to be an interesting one to uh, to figure out for next year. How much stock do we put into uh, this, this breakout, this re-breakout, I guess, for Joey Votto. Eloy Jimenez hit his 10th home run on Monday. And I you know, I looked into him because I didn't realize he has been pretty underwhelming overall, Eloy Jimenez. Obviously he's coming back from the uh, the chest injury, so it's something he might still be playing uh, playing through. But 261 batting average, seven seventy-one OPS, the batted ball data, the hard contact, the exit velocity, it's down this year. Uh, his home run to fly ball ratio is down as well. Maybe that's due to the uh to the ball, the the D juice ball, I guess you could call it. Uh, But I do like that the ground balls were down and the line drives were up. So it's kind of a mixed bag here for Eloy Jimenez, Scott.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, I think it's going to be too small of a sample to take a whole lot from it. Obviously, we hoped for more. But we were denied four months of what might have been more, you know? So clearly, Luis Robert is the preferred option in fantasy now of those up-and-coming White Sox outfielders. And, uh, you know, I kind of laid out rounds three and four just to to make sure I was happy with who I had in round two. And I I didn't even really consider Aloy Jimenez through round four. So we're probably talking round five or six for him next year. Maybe maybe even like seven. I don't know.
0: I mean, he's not going to contribute anything in steals. I I do think that if he hits his... High end upside, his whatever ninetieth percentile outcome or better. Yeah, than, that's
1: probably like a second round player. Yeah,
0: I, I've called him like I think his best season when he does have it because he's going to have it. He, he's still young enough where I think we're going to get that that breakout season for him. I think it looks like Nolan Arenado when he was in Coors Field. I think like a legit four category contributor. Maybe the mm-hmm. runs not as much because he doesn't walk all that all that often, but thirty five well, homers 290... ninety. So. Yeah, 290 batting average, 35 homers, 100-plus RBI. I think one of these years we'll get that from uh, Eloy Jimenez. Scott, you laughed at me for picking up Alcides Escobar, but I will just point out he's got four hits with an RBI and a run scored in two games at Coors Field. So take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taken. Taken. All right, if you stream Cole Irvin, uh, I am sorry. At the Mariners on Monday, three innings, four runs, uh, four strikeouts, five starts against Seattle this year. He's got an 8.69 ERA. So whatever Cole Irvin was doing, it was not working against the Seattle Mariners this season. Part of that was uh, Mitch Haniger, who had a double dong on Monday. He added another home run on Tuesday. That brings him to 38 home runs for Mitch Hanniger this season. Hasn't really done much else. You know, RBI runs are okay. Just hasn't really run. He's, I think he's right around like a 260 batting average. So it, it's an awesome year, no doubt about it. Just... Realize he's not really giving you much else uh, outside of power. Ty France went four for four with three runs and four RBI on Monday. Uh, he's batting 295, but with only 18 home runs on the season. Move over to Tuesday, and uh, these young power hitters for the Marlins, I-, I think they're pretty interesting, Scott. You know, Lewin Diaz we we spoke about recently. Uh, I think last week we brought his name up a few times, but now back-to-back days with a homer. He's batting 257 with eight home runs in September, and then uh, Jesus Sanchez hit another home run on Tuesday, and he's having a big September himself. 273 batting average, eight homers, a 941 OPS, and I really like that as a left-handed batter, he has strong lefty-righty splits this year. He, he's, I mean, they're basically it's basically a mirror, uh, what he's done against lefties versus what he's done against righties. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Lewin Diaz and, and Jesus Sanchez, there might be something for next year.
1: Yeah, I try to approach up-and-comers who haven't really shown us who they are yet, shown us what they're capable of being yet, just because there hasn't been enough time. I, I try not to put firm limits on their upside. I think I heard... one point in time, I heard the, the Cleveland Indians organization was like that, too. That's That's kind of the approach they take with young players, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But just... From what I know about Diaz and Sanchez, I don't see either having a huge ceiling. I think the hope for them is that they develop into steady mid-round contributors in fantasy. And obviously the odds are against them both doing that. But I I think that's kind of the the kind of upside we're talking about with them. And and they've both shown enough signs that maybe they can get to that level.
0: Francisco Lindor just hit his 19th home run and... Very sneakily, has 19 home runs and 10 steals in 120 games. Batting average, not so great. He's having a big September. Lindor, 258 batting average, 8 homers, nine eleven OPS. Fly ball rate is up. The average exit velocity, 93 miles per hour. He's got a near 13% barrel rate in September. Overall, the season has been a letdown. A pretty massive letdown, Scott. We can all agree on that. But does this September, and the fact that we've seen other big stars in... First year in a new place, uh, in in a new contract, uh, struggling. Does that give you any hope heading into next year?
1: I don't really know what to do with Francisco Lindor because there were some people who were fading him coming into this year, and not just not because he signed with the Mets, just because the 2020 season. You know, he kind of underwhelmed then too, and we most of us were going to give him a pass for it because small sample and good track record and. The underlying numbers didn't look that different, uh, but you could say a lot about that this year too. And um, other than other than September, it's still not even a great batting average for September. Said a few home runs. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. He's very young still, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he bounced back with another first round type season. But he's not a player I was considering for the first four rounds either, Lindor.
0: And I don't think he should. I think that's fair. I think we're going to get Lindor at a good discount next year. And I think it's warranted, obviously, based on this entire season in 2020. But I think I'm going to be in, man. Like, the prime of his career, it depends how how big that discount is. But yeah, I, I like the yeah, final Yeah, I mean, month.
1: if he becomes the... Carlos Correa of this year, the Corey Seager of two years ago, or we're talking about draft him in like round nine, round 10. I I could get all over that. Yeah. But if it's round four or five, I don't know. I, I I think I'll probably be out if that's the case.
0: I think it'll be somewhere in the middle of what you just said. I think probably settles in in like the sixth or seventh I think that could make sense for uh, for Francisco Lindor. Trevor Rogers giving us that late season confidence after a few blips on the radar. He was at the Mets on Tuesday. Five innings, one run, six strikeouts to zero walks. He had fifteen swinging strikes on eighty nine pitches, and he averaged ninety five miles per hour on his fastball, which is up from his season average. So a nice little end here for Trevor Rogers. Scott, would you like to guess how many hits Frank Schwindel had on Tuesday?
1: I'm gonna say Frankie. Two hits had uh, two hits.
0: Oh yeah, three thirty six batting average, a nine ninety five OPS in fifty nine games. Another yeah. fun random player to rank for next year. Uh, That would have be... been his full
1: season in twenty twenty. Yeah, <laughs> fifty nine <laughs> oh, games.
0: Yeah, that would have. Uh, oh god. Now I'm thinking that would have been a disaster to try and figure out coming into <laughs> this season. I hope he carries it over, man. Like I've been following uh, this guy's career in the in the minors. He's Bounced around, journeyman, and uh, he's got big pop. He puts the ball in play. So he was one of those.
1: I I mostly associate him. You know, I cover covering spring training pretty closely, closer than the average baseball person would. And Frank Schwindel was one of those no names who just go off one spring. <laughs> I think I think it actually happened a couple springs in his career. And you uh, just file that name away, and suddenly he shows up as a 29-year-old, has a job, and look what he's doing. I think he's probably going to be in my top 20 at the first base heading into next year. It's always difficult to say until you line up the names. There's, you know, just going off the top of your head, you'd end up forgetting about some. But uh, I'm not. I'm not going to be so quick to write him off. Bottom right. line.
0: Let's quickly wrap up with a few other things here uh, from Tuesday. Chris Sale, five and a third, three runs, six strikeouts at the Baltimore Orioles. He's now up to 40 and a third innings pitched. And what would you, uh, look, it's super early. What, what do you think a fair projection for his innings in 2022 will be, Scott, for Chris Sale?
1: Oh, I think I think they'll get him to 150. 150, 160 maybe even.
0: Yep. I think that makes sense. He threw 147 and a third back in 2019, 158 back in 2018. So, that, I mean, that's that's basically where he's lived um, the past healthy, in quotes, years, I guess. Uh, Ryan Malcastle, after an awful April, now has 31 home runs in 114 games from May 1st on. That's a 40-homer pace over 150 games. Stop me if you've heard this before. Both Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton homered on Tuesday. Number 37 for Judge, 35 for Stanton. We had a pitcher's duel between Charlie Morton and Zach Wheeler with a National League East on the line. And uh, Zach Wheeler, seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Charlie Morton... Beats him out. Seven shutout with 10 strikeouts. Very strong ends of the year for Charlie Morton. And and Wheeler, all five of his
1: starts in September have been gems. So he's really, after kind of a bumpy August, I think July may have been a little shaky too. Like his September is the reason why I still have him as a second rounder going into next year.
0: Randy Rosarena hit his 20th home run. And how would you judge his season, Scott? Obviously he has the awesome postseason last year. There were high expectations, 272 batting average, 20 homers, 16 steals, and 813 OPS. I I think overall it's a little underwhelming.
1: Yeah, I think he more or less lived up to his draft
0: position, but I think most people who drafted him were hoping he'd be more than this. Ronaldo Lopez. He's now down to a 2.98 ERA, 0.89 whip, Six innings, one run, four strikeouts against the Reds on Tuesday. And uh, I saw at Baseball Pods on Twitter, I know he listens to a ton of fantasy baseball content, and he he does great work himself. He suggested adding Ronaldo Lopez in all of your dynasty leagues, wherever he's available. Carlos Carlos Rodon, we mentioned, is an unrestricted free agent, and uh, they do have a history with turning former top prospects around the Chicago White Sox. What do you think, Scott? Would you be looking to add Ronaldo Lopez in Dynasty?
1: Well, now you got me throwing a particular person under the bus by going <laughs> against him. But <laughs> how dare you? Ah, uh, n- no, I don't. I mean, it's been a long time since he's been a prospect. I mean, guess you could say that about Carlos Rodon coming in too. But yeah, still not a very deep arsenal, and three of his four starts prior to this one were pretty rough. Vulnerable to the long ball, not a big strikeout pitcher. I think his stuff may work in relief, but I think I, I don't. I, I I think the kinds of starts like he had Tuesday would be more the exception than the rule. Still, as, as they've been throughout his career. So I'm not. I'm not terribly motivated to to get behind that pickup. It was like a long term thing.
0: All right, all right, Sky. Let's be honest. You're just jealous because I picked him up in the Scott White Dynasty League and you did not <laughs> You missed out. Uh, no, I actually I somewhat agree with you because uh, while he's pitched well this year, the the arsenal is basically four seam and slider and we've seen uh, a lot of pitchers, in even in recent years, um, can't really survive with two pitches. So maybe he, he gets that curveball or change up back on track, but I think he needs to expand that arsenal if he wants to remain a starting pitcher. A few bullpen updates for the Nationals on Monday. Tanner Rainey got the save, and he now has two of the last three for the Washington Nationals. For the Pirates on Tuesday, Chris Stratton got his seventh save with David Bednar pitching in the eighth inning for the Orioles on Tuesday. Cole Sulser picked up his eighth save. For the Twins, Alex Colomay gave up two runs but picked up his 17th save. And uh, I think that should be officially called the Colomay, right? If you give up two runs and still manage to get a save, it just, it feels like every time I look at a box score, that is exactly what Alex Colomay does. For the Rangers, Joe Barlow got his 10th save. And for the Rockies, Carlos Estevez also picked up his 10th save. To stream or not to stream for Wednesday, Logan Gilbert up against the Oakland A's. Drew Rasmussen, both MLB and ESPN have him starting on Tuesday, uh, on Wednesday, at the Astros. And I searched Twitter, I searched Google, I could not find anything on whether Rasmussen is starting Wednesday. I hope he is, because I picked him up and started him in Tal Wars. Daniel Lynch is going up against Cleveland, Michael Pineda versus the Tigers, Adrian Hauser at the Cardinals, and Taylor Hearn versus the Angels.
1: Gilbert, Logan Gilbert, he's the one I want here. And uh, if I have to pick a second, uh, probably Hauser at St. Louis. And Pineda versus Detroit isn't bad either.
0: Yeah, that's that's where I was leaning. Uh, Michael Pineda versus the Tigers. How about for Thursday, Tony Gonsolin versus the Dodgers? Joe Ryan. Uh, Tony
1: Gonsolin would be going against the
0: Padres. Uh, yeah, Padres. Yeah, yes, he, not the Dodgers. You cannot face the team that you pitch for. That that would make a ton of sense, actually. Uh, Joe Ryan versus the Tigers. Money. Tyler McGill versus the Marlins. Meh. Justin Steele at the Pirates, Alex Cobb at the Rangers, and Nick Pavetta at the Orioles.
1: So definitely on board with Ryan against the Tigers, definitely on board with Cobb at the Rangers. This is a good list. Yeah, I think Gonsolin against the Padres would be my third choice, but it's not clear that he'll go particularly deep into that start. You know, McGill versus the Marlins, it's a good matchup obviously, but he's just been he's just been so shaky lately. It feels it feels riskier than Gonsolin.
0: All right, we do have a fantasy justice question from Aaron, but I'm going to save that for Friday because somehow, with four days left in the season, I managed to go long on this podcast. So it's just kind of a a microcosm of my hosting ability, I think, uh, throughout the course of the entire season. So we'll wrap there. We'll take your fantasy justice question on Friday. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Friday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.